CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies. Welcome, everybody. Right now on OA Options Action, an ETF options battle royale from the financials to energy to taking your money around the world, the long and short story for this year. Plus, dialing up the trade in AT&T, the action in this beaten up once mighty titan of telecom, the stock ringing high as we start 2023. And later, Starbucks has been a full half money maker, up nearly 35% in the last six months. But one of our traders is getting the jitters on where the coffee giant is going next. Welcome, everybody. I'm Tyler Matheson, in for Melissa Lee, and this is Options Action. Live from the NASDAQ market site, on the desk tonight, Mike Coe, Carter Worth, and Bono and Eisen. And now let's get ready to rumble, folks. A face-off in the financials, a Texas-sized tussle in energy, a consumer clash, and a throwdown with emerging markets. With broad market sectors, not all individual industries are created equal. And tonight, a fight within four sectors to declare the biggest industry ETF winners and losers. Let's start, shall we, with financials, regionals versus money centers, banks. Let's bring in Carter Worth. Carter, set us up. You bet, right? So at any given time, while a whole sector might act a certain way, there are always parts and sub-industry groups that act differently. So we want to look at XLF, all financials, versus regional banks, KRE. One way to draw the lines, you can see it here, but let's do it again together, right? It has all the elements of a turn. You also can put in a well-defined downtrend line, which we are toying with moving above. Or no lines and just use the moving average. The 150-day moving average is flattening and turning, the definition of a bearish to bullish reversal. By contradistinction, look at KRE. Look at regional banks. It's the exact opposite, still in a downtrend. Uh, a very bad week compared to the overall financial sector. And the beauty of the XLF, it's not just banks. You've got Berkshire, the biggest holding. You've got private equity. You've got broker-dealers and so forth. Loser versus winner. KRE, no. XLF, yes. XLF, the bigger banks, the national ones, uh, the winner there. Mike, what do you see? What are the moves we're seeing between these two? Yeah, so first of all, obviously, XLF, we've got a lot of the biggest names in financials. These things are going to be reporting within the next two weeks. A lot of that action starts next week. And we saw some big bullish bets being made in XLF ahead of that, looking to capture that earnings, basically looking to also capture some of that insurance and trading exposure. Big purchases, buy of 15,000 of the Jan 35 calls in XLF. The buyer paid 49 cents for those. Obviously going to capture those earnings, and it's really a short-dated bet. On the KRE, the regional bank side, of course, fundamentally, we do have a lot of pressures. I mean, if recession fears are legitimate and also seeing potentially peaking net interest margins, you're going to see some deposit attrition going on in the regional banks and slowing CNI loan growth. We saw a big purchase of 13,500 of the March 52 puts there, buyer paying 87 cents. Bonwin, do you have an ore in this pool or not? 
Yeah, I, I would agree. I think XLF probably outperforms, continues to outperform. And, you know, we talk about this. We had Mike Mayo on talking about credit quality and stickiness of, um, of deposits. And I think you really want to climb up the echelon in terms of the quality of name that you're in. And I think XLF gives you a bit more of that, also some insurance and things of that nature. So, you know, really, you, you, don't, want, you don't want to be exposed so much to just loan origination. All right, let's move on to the energy sector. And a gate crasher makes it a, a three-way oil services versus production versus integrated. Carter, what's the twist here? Yeah, so three lines, just the ones you said. We have OIH services on top. XLE dominated by Exxon and Chevron, and bringing up the rear here is XOP, the E and P names. So what do we know? Over the past three months, one's up 27. One's up 10, one's down six. Another way to look at this chart is to hold the XLE as a constant. Here we go. And what do you get? you get the real divergence. What we've got here is, is bifurcation within a space. And so we very much want to be long OIH and as a pair, short XOP. Mike, what do you think? Uh, the melee in this market, do you agree there? Yeah, I mean, they have caught up somewhat, but they haven't caught up all the way. You know, taking a look at OIH, we did see some pretty big bullish bets there. Purchase of 2,500 of the January 310 calls buyer paid 495 for that. And we also saw some bearish bets on XOP, not surprising given the pressure that we've been seeing on oil lately. Trader bought 4,400 of the Feb 125 puts paid seven bucks. Big outlay of premium and leaning on the short side for XOP. Bonowin, loser there, XOP, the winner of the OIH or the OI? Yeah, I echo the sentiments of the previous two. I think you want one that's got uh, leverage to the actual um, underlying commodity versus the capital discipline and operational leverage from the OIH. All right, let's move on to uh, fighting for the consumer's wallet. Staples versus healthcare. Carter, which one the stronger hold? Right, so we're looking at relative charts now for these two very uh, sort of safe haven areas of the market, of course, staples and healthcare. So one line, it's a ratio, it's one versus the other. It's healthcare divided by consumer staples. And the only way to interpret is if the line is rising, it means the healthcare is outperforming. If the line is declining, it's underperforming staples. And this setup is quite good. Um, look at a long term, and this is fascinating. So this is going back to the dot com peak. And all you're looking at is healthcare outperforming until 2000, healthcare underperforming staples all the way to 09 low, and now outperforming again. To my eye, we are setting up for an important breakout to all-time relative highs. That would be XLV versus XLP. We like healthcare. Mike, what do you think there? You agree with that? Yeah, I mean, the multiples for XLV in the broad market are within spitting distance of each other. But ask yourself this question, which one's going to be more stable in a recessionary environment? The answer is always going to be healthcare. We saw a purchase of 1850 of the March 150 calls buyer paid 29 cents there. Now, looking at staples, they have a lot of margin pressure issues. So they have higher costs, but they haven't necessarily been able to pass all of that on to consumers. And it doesn't really matter whether you're talking about packaged goods or a lot of things. And then we had that disappointing news out of Constellation on the beverage side. Buyer of 2,500 of the Jan 74 and a half puts in XLP paid a dollar 19. Bonowin, could things change at any point uh, in this scenario here? Yeah, I think this is a relative value trade. I mean, I think relatively you like healthcare, but I, I think you can own both. You can own both here. I think you can own both and feel feel good about it. Absolutely. All righty. Finally, the main event: the defending developed economies versus the up and coming emerging markets. Carter, which side are you weighing in on? We're going to go with EEM over. S&P, but let's take a look. So this is the SPY, and what do we know? It's a very clear uptrend, and it's a very clear downtrend. And unless until that changes, it's not a desirable asset. By contradistinction, check this out. Here's EEM. It's a disaster, 
But what is it doing? It's starting to bottom. Whether you draw the lines the way I've drawn them or not doesn't matter. It's a wipeout that is just now threatening or potentially going to move above trend. So what do we do? The way to finish it off, look at a ratio chart. So this is now simply one divided by the other. It's what relative strength is. You're looking at EEM's relative performance to SPY. And it has all the elements of a bearish to bullish reversal. EEM over SPY. You know, Mike Carter made it look easy to me. Even I could understand what was going on there. Do you agree with him or do you have some uh, shade for the underdog? No, I agree with him. And over the last 30 years, there have only been four other times when basically the valuation for the emerging names have been actually cheaper relative to the S&P than they are right now. And some options traders agreed with that. We did see a buy of 4,200 of the Fed 40 calls in EEM. Buyer paid 90 cents. And on the bearish side for SPY, we saw a purchase of 15,000 of the April 365 puts. Big outlay of premium spending $12.54 a contract for those. Final one, thoughts on that one, uh, SPY and EEM. I'm in agreement. I think a lot of the uh, negative um, news has been priced in EEM. You've seen a massive outperformance there. I think SPY still have a lot of earnings valuation to come down, and I don't think that's priced in yet, so yeah. I prefer EEM. Yeah, too. all right. Still to come, we're going to dial up the original telecom titan taking off with one red-hot airline and seeing if a coffee giant can keep bucking the trend. Plus, everything options action, check out our website and newsletter. There's more options action coming back right after this. Calling all options action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at options action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when Options Action returns. Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategy. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. All righty, welcome back to Options Action, everybody. Before the new earnings season officially begins with financials on Friday, uh, one of uh, last season's stragglers is still coming in then, too, and that would be Delta Airlines. Mike, Delta is the airline that everyone seems to love to love. What are you seeing? Yeah, yeah I mean, and, uh, the one that everyone loves to hate is love, I guess, Southwest yeah. right now <laughs> after all of their travel snafus. But Delta's going to be announcing earnings this coming week. This is a name that we hold in our event fund. Uh, typically, this is a stock that moves about 4% on earnings. The options market right now implying a move of about 5.5%. And here's something to think about. I mean, they've obviously added a lot of debt, as they would need to during the pandemic. This was a company that made 7.5 bucks a share, full year 2019. Think about that. If it could get back there, the company would be trading at less than five times earnings. That's not necessarily what I am forecasting, but they do seem to be climbing uh, out of the out of trouble, and they have been paying off some of their debt. Uh, we do have slightly declining fuel costs now, and of course, they have a little bit of a hedge going on there because they also own a refinery. On the counterpoint side, of course, you've got rising wages. So when you take a look at this situation, you could, of course, go out and buy the stock. But with that higher than average implied move, one of the moves that we saw somebody doing uh, this week was actually just going out and buying the slightly in the money 35 strike calls. And they paid about a buck 40 for those. Now, as an alternative, you can see that you're going to be risking less than 4% of the current stock price to make a bullish bet going into earnings. And of course, if the news 
comes comes out and it's more disappointing than we expect, that's all you're going to risk. So you could, of course, go out and buy the stock if you like the story long term. We do. But if you want to risk less, you could just go out and buy a slightly in the money call is a way to make a bullish bet here. Carter, what do the charts tell you? I mean, it's a it's a recovery story, right, in terms of fundamentals, but it's a recovery story in terms of the chart. The chart is basing bottoming. Big week for airlines. Remember this, the New York Stock Exchange airline uh, index up 9.6%. The Dow Jones Transport's only up 35 Delta up 8-plus percent. Here's the chart with no lines, no drawings. Let's put some in. Take a look on, on, on your screen. And what do we have? We have something that is about to pop back to trend. Uh, we like this. Final one? Thoughts on Delta? Yeah, again, I echo Carter. I mean, it's a turnaround story. I'm not really thrilled about the debt balance, but um, I think if they can kind of get that those operational levers under control, I think it works. And they don't pay a dividend, so there's really no opportunity cost here by not owning the stock. I think Mike's trade makes a lot of sense. We have a lot of vigorous exposure. agreement on this desk tonight, right? Uh, I've, 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 I've tried to avoid it at every turn. Every, 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 but, 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 right is right. Right is right. Let's go on to AT&T. The technicals causing you to dial into this name. How about, what do you say, Carter? Right. So um, this is sort of a dogs the Dow type situation. It's no longer in the Dow. Verizon is. It's my favorite dog of the Dow for the year and a big week for both Verizon and AT&T. And I think there's uh, more to come. All right. Mike, what's your trade here? So uh, AT&T is also a stock that uh, I own and have actually held for a little while here. Now, this is an interesting story relative to Verizon because, of course, they had some meaningful divestitures earlier this year. They spun off Warner Brothers. And if you take a look at how Warner Brothers has done since they spun it off relative to AT&T, you can see that that spinoff was probably a very good move. Now, to own the stock, of course, you're going to collect a very handsome dividend. Uh, so so high, in fact, that I think some people might think that it's actually implying it's going to be cut. But it does look like it's well covered. So I don't think there's too much concern there. Uh, what's interesting about that, though, is that if you have a high dividend, and I think Bonowin was kind of implying this, that actually doesn't get paid to people who own calls, which makes one of the big trades we saw this week uh, all the more interesting. We saw a big purchase of the January 2024-20 strike calls. That's essentially an at-the-money call. Notice how much the buyers of these things paid. $1.40 a contract. Now, again, you buy the calls, you don't get the dividend. But that also reduces the cost of the calls if you're thinking, as I think many people do, that actually you could see some stock price appreciation. They're giving themselves a lot of time for that to play out uh, risking, you know, less than 6% of the current stock price for a trade that lasts over a year. Monowin, thoughts here? You asked for disagreement, you're going to get it. Uh, I'm not really that <laughs> thrilled about this one. Um, I understand Carter's point in terms of dogs of the Dow, and I think a lot of that is premised on the total return, which is inclusive of the dividend. So, um, yeah, I'm not really playing in this one, but I can understand it's been a dog and probably has likely some upside. Carter, we skipped over your charts. Why don't we go back to them? Sure. Let's take a look. And so uh, for AT&T... Uh, there's a downtrend that's well-defined, and I think we're going to return to it. You can see the before and after. Here's the before. We have an after. If we put in some lines, what you'll see is it projects to around 22, 21.50, close at 19.50, so a nice 10% move, and you, again, you get that very handsome yield. All righty. There's the chart on AT&T. Up next, could a fresh buzz be about to wear off on Starbucks? Our feature trader, Brian Stutland, has a way to insulate your portfolio from getting scalded. 
All right, welcome back to Options Action, everybody. Starbucks serving up some uh, grande gains today. The coffee giant already up nearly 8% to kick off 2023. But today's featured trader says there could be some big problems brewing for this high flyer. Equity Armor Investment CIO Brian Stutland joins us now. What's your trade? Spell, us out, spell it out for us, Brian. Well, Tyler, you're right. The stock was up big today. It's been up huge, venti style, like over the last few months here up almost over 50% in just a handful of months. And this is not a stock, this is coffee, right? This is not something that's innovative growth type story here. The stock's been up big. Barclays recommended as their pick of 2023. However, this move is pretty huge. And so I'm just looking at a trade where maybe I take some profits, maybe I put a hedge on, a slight bet to the downside here. Look, we saw the unemployment report. There was growth wage, but not to the degree that people expected. That's why the market rallied. I think that's a negative for any kind of consumer discretionary type stock, especially something like a Starbucks consumer discretionary. We're under a 3% weighting for clients right now in the portfolio. And so when I look at it, I also took a look at the options, right? And we saw a huge amount of open interest on the $100 strike, especially in January. And so I'm playing the January options for Starbucks, playing that to the downside. I'd be a buyer of a put spread right now. The stock's made such a big move. I'm going to play for a short-term decline or at least a pullback back to that $100 magnet that might happen because of the open interest. And when you look at the strikes, if I buy the 105 strike, at the same time selling the 100 strike in January regular options, I can pay only $1, right? And so I'm risking a dollar. If it gets below 100, I get to make $4 here. So I think the risk reward is really strong here to play to the downside. Maybe we get a little pullback here, especially if the market can't get out of this sort of back and forth trend we've been seeing over the last few trading days. If it starts to return back to the downside, and this was just a bear market rally in the stock market, I think Starbucks goes down with it, gets back to that $100 level. And so that's why I'm buying a put spread short term just to play to the downside there. All right, let's get Carter's reaction both to that and, and a chart that you brought along. Sure. Uh, the reaction, uh, I'm with you 100%. Let's, let's just say this. Let's look at the chart first and then discuss the circumstance. This stock, Starbucks, dropped on its low, 46%, the exact same amount it dropped uh, on the COVID low. It's now up 56% off that low. And consider this, 25 analysts cover this stock. Their collective price target, 12 months hence, is $100. Where's the stock trading? 106. 25 very talented, insightful, educated people believe it's worth less 12 months hence than it is trading now. Or you just look at the chart, it's overbought. Mike, your thoughts? Take the, take the trade apart for us. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I would say about the trade is that you've got earnings coming out on February 2nd. I wouldn't mind capturing those as a potential event because it might actually just manage to hang in there for the short period between now and January expiration. But otherwise, I'm with both Carter and Brian on this one. All right, Bonwin. I'm going, to put my, I'm going to put my hat in the race alongside these guys. Um, I think it's a strong trade by Brian. This thing is a trade at a premium multiple. It's like 31, 32 times. Not really where I want to be. I don't want to be exposed to consumer discretionary. A lot of negatives that line up for me. And as Carter mentioned, it's overbought. Brian, how do you feel? Everybody agrees with you here. You must I'm feel proud. I'm feeling pretty good. Well <laughs> caffeinated, ready for the Starbucks to drop <laughs> out, of, out of bed here. You know, and listen, Mike makes a great point here. It, the earnings are February 2nd. So if you want to go a little bit farther dated, Certainly, that's a play. I use the January strike because that $100 strike, the huge amount of open interest, I tend to find in option trading that that tends to act as like a magnet towards the stock. And so that might happen in January by the time the regular January expiration. But maybe waiting for earnings where you sort of get this run up and then you get the news out and now it pulls back after that news event happens. 
that could occur. So I'm okay with pushing the, the option trade out longer, but a put spread seems like the right play here. Brian, thanks so much. We appreciate it. Have a great weekend, my friend. Thank you. Up next, your tweets and a final call or three. Welcome back to Options Action, everybody. Time to take some tweets. And our first fan asks with BABA breaking through its downtrend line from October 2020, a huge 20% gain this week, and earnings coming up in the next cycle. How do we play the upcoming earnings while minimizing risk, or do you wait for a, the back test or a pullback? Carter? What do you think? I, well, let's make one point. I think when you hear superlatives on Wall Street, usually run the other way. A big bank said Chinese stocks were uninvestable on October 17th. Five days later, they all bottomed. Yes, Baba's up huge. But what to do? I would sell a put spread. I would sell the 100s of February, buy the 95s for a credit, and play it that way. Bonawan, how does that strike you? I think that's one way to play it, certainly. Um, in either case, you're defining your risk. I think I'd like maybe a call spread here. Um, that way, you're just playing it the opposite direction, but similar type of uh, theory behind it. Mike, quick thought. Yeah, I mean, those two trades are sort of synthetic equivalents of each other. I'm sort of with Bonowin, though, the risk-reward relationship a little bit better. All right, our next fan says, please comment on my bullish trades for Q1 2023. Buy Tesla, March 17, 150 calls, and buy Meta, March 17, 140 calls. Mike, what do you think? Boy, 150, that's, that's a tough one for March in Tesla. I, I'm not sure that this one's completely out of the woods yet. I definitely favor calls over purchasing the stock, though, I have to say. I'd probably be looking at a 30, 35 Delta call, though, not so far out of the money. Meta, you're a little bit closer, I would say. You know, you're much closer to the money, so that's a better bet uh, as far as I'm concerned. But it's had quite a run. Again, calls are probably the right way to make the bullish bets. Carter, that's one quick going. thought there. Yeah, I, a long way. I, I'm in the bounce camp for Tesla, but 150 is a stretch. All right, let's go to our final calls. And Carter, you still have the floor. Thank you. So for me, it's gold or GDX, but miners or the metal. Bonwin? I like the OIH versus XRP relative. Where we sort of began the evening yep. here. All right, and Mike, how about you? Yeah, I mean, I, when you're trying to do these pairs trades, I think options are a really good way to, to play it because you can manage your risk. So on the OIH, you know, buying calls, I think, longer term, maybe uh, 60, 90 days out. And then the same thing, XOP, you could buy some puts on the short side. Gentlemen, it's been great being with you, all of you. Appreciate it. That does it for us here on Options Action. We'll be here next Friday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Do not, do not, I repeat, go anywhere because you know what's coming next. Mad Money with Jim Cramer right now. Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Edinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.